0: Welcome back to cause Talk radio by rashpixel.fm the podcast that shows do-gooders nonprofits and businesses how to build win-win partnerships that raise money and change the world. This podcast is brought to you by engage for good and Selfish giving You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at engageforgood.com and selfishgiving.com Now on to today's episode.
1: everyone. It's Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. And on the line with me, of course, is Megan Strand. Hey, Megan.
0: Hello. Just another day in beautiful rainy Portland.
1: That's right. In snowy Boston. And I know. We're, we're gonna find out, and we're going to find out how the weather soon is in London, because on the line with us now is Jenny Davis Poucault who's a partner with Bain and Company who leads the sustainability and corporate responsibility practice. And Jenny, I don't think I pronounced your last name right. Did I?
0: Pekoo. Pekoo.
1: Pekoo. See, <laughs> I'm just it's the Boston in me, Jenny. I just don't have it, you know what I mean when it comes to it was pronouncing. A good try. I mean, you know, I mean it just fancy words just escape me like that. But how are you today?
2: Very good, and it's sunny in London. Wow. Oh, well, what's down. the temperature? Oh, I'd say it in centigrade
1: ten, ten degrees, yeah, ten degrees, oh boy, so um, so you'll be full, I mean, next week is uh February vacation week here in Boston, so you'll be full of Bostonians next week. I've heard a lot of people go into London next week., but
2: we love having visitors in London, yeah,
1: so you'll hear a lot of people dropping their R's, so, lucky Jenny, take, yeah, luck, lucky take Jenny me yeah. Back to when I lived
2: in Boston. that's right,
1: <laughs> that's why I remind you of the good old days, right? All right so Jenny okay. um, we're here today we're gonna to talk about the uh, the report that you folks had out and I was like when when Megan first sent this over to me, Jenny, I was like blown away that only two percent of corporate sustainability programs achieve or exceed their aims. I mean, I was like, that is like nothing. That is ridiculous. So we want to dig into that with you. But the first question I have for you, Jenny, is could you talk a little bit about your definition of sustainability? Because I know it's kind of a broad term and I've heard people use it in different ways. How do you define it?
2: It is a broad term. Our definition of sustainability is companies tackling environmental and social issues at the heart of their core business, such that the business is sustainable and the world is sustainable. So we're not talking about philanthropy. We're not talking about doing good on the side. We're Mm -hmm. talking about environmental and social issues at the heart of a company's business.
0: Mm. Can you talk a little bit about how you did this report? Because I think it's very impressive um, who you actually ended up talking to um, in the corporate setting.
2: Sure. There were uh, two things that we did as we developed this report. Firstly, we did a survey of executives at over 300 companies. Uh, These were from uh, around the world, uh, North America, Europe, Asia Pacific. Uh, We had a great mix of industries, everybody from uh, financial services to energy, industrials, telecommunications, uh, and we really also tried to get a range of uh, senior executives as well as uh, mid-level executives. Um, that was the first uh, part of the work. The second part then was a series of interviews that we did with uh, companies around the world to uh, understand what actually the leaders in this space, what are some of the tips and tricks that they have that we could share with, uh, with everyone else looking to make an impact in this area. So we talked to organizations like, uh, Nestle and Coca-Cola, uh, an agricultural commodities company named Olam, uh, a pharmaceutical company, Novo Nordisk, uh, Lego, and a whole range of others.
1: In, in doing the survey and talking to these companies, Jenny, were you surprised by the results too?
2: Well, I have to say I was uh, very surprised. Yep. I expected it change. It change is always hard. So in our work with corporates, uh, we actually see that only 12% of corporate change programs achieve or exceed their goals. So I knew it wasn't going to be particularly <laughs> high.
0: Mm. Uh, the bar is not high to I, begin with.
2: I, <laughs> yeah, I was astounded when it came out uh, at such a low, such a low number. When I stopped to reflect, though, uh, you know, it, that kind of initial shock—I guess—you know—I stepped back and said, you know, it actually makes sense. This is a really tough area. It's mm. harder than. Uh, it's harder than typical corporate change programs. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of a good a good wake-up call.
0: One of the things I thought was so interesting was just how employees responded and how they viewed sustainability. Can you talk a little bit about what you found in terms of employee perception of sustainability and maybe why they weren't as committed to it as they could be?
2: Yeah, so uh, it's it's actually interesting because... In some separate research we've done, we find that employees do actually care quite a bit about whether they work for a company that is considered sustainable. Mm -hmm. And yet, when we did this research, what we found is that most uh, employees don't see that uh, there really is a burning platform to uh, drive greater sustainability in their companies and they're just not convinced that they they absolutely have to change and of course because change is hard if you're not convinced that you have to change it's going to be really hard to, to make you know to, to muster the energy to, to put in the hard work to actually do it
0: so the, people want to work for sustainable companies, but when it comes right down to it, I think what your report sort of sussed out was, it, it wasn't a priority internally. They were seeing it more as a PR s- stunt, if you will. Um, can you talk about some of the findings that you you found specifically about how employees perceived sustainability?
2: Yeah. So they, um, firstly, we ask a question about you know, are you convinced that the organization? Uh, has to improve their performance in, in this area. And in a typical change program, you would see kind of nine out of ten, you know, companies have managed to convince employees that this is really important. Uh, for sustainability, however, they're only scoring that four out of ten. And that's including uh, the leading companies. And so they just don't see it as a real priority. And when we dug further and we asked, well, you know, what are the reasons why your your company is doing sustainability, uh, two-thirds of respondents said it's really for public reputation reasons. And other more practical business reasons, such as cost savings or customer loyalty, came far, uh, far below that. And so it's kind of seen as something that's important for public reputation, but somehow a bit disconnected from what the business is is needing to do every day. Mm. Which, as I said, that Thank makes you. it quite hard to, you know, really in the face of pressures to Uh, you know, to to drive, uh, hit budget and to hit sales targets, that can just make it a little harder to do what you need to do to change.
1: Yeah, interesting. So, I mean, it's interesting how they define that too, in terms of corporate reputation is almost just like window dressing and not something that is deeper and more significant with the, you know, the customer, you know, the company's target audience.
2: Yeah, I think that, you know, obviously, every Employee would be concerned about the their company's reputation, but it probably feels less of an immediate part of their day job, Mm -hmm. Uh, and that somehow somebody out there in the PR department or corporate communications should be taking care of that. And so, it's just to translate into the real changes that have to happen, it just it seems very remote from what they've got to do.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: One of the things I, I loved about at least the media release was that you really have some tangible suggestions for what companies can do to make their sustainability programs more effective. Can you talk? Can you talk us through some of those?
2: Yeah, so we found uh, four uh, kind of tricks, I guess, that the leading companies focus on to really drive progress in this area. The first one is about making bold public commitments. And sometimes uh, executives kind of worry that, well, if we put a big commitment out there around... Uh, carbon reduction Mm. or, uh, water preservation, we actually are going to set ourselves up as a target for NGOs and critics if we don't manage to hit these targets. What we found though with the leaders is that actually having a bold target out there really galvanizes action in the company in a way that, uh, you know, not kind of setting such a high ambition uh you know it just it transforms the way that the organization will respond uh, interestingly it's actually the same if you ever try to lose weight you're much better off setting a very ambitious weight loss goal than saying oh maybe i'll lose 5 pounds you're uh, you're more likely to uh, to fail if you set a set a low goal and it's the same with sustainability by putting a very public very ambitious target out there that actually uh, inspires action and so you'll get uh, companies like Coca-Cola, who in 2010 had only 23% of their water use was replenished, and they set a target of 100% in just Mm. five years, and they hit it. Wow. And it's the same kind of thing with Intel, you know, has set a target of 100% conflict-free uh, products because uh, there's a lot of minerals that come from conflict zones. They've set a, a target of 100% conflict-free products by uh, 2016, and they're uh, they're hitting that. So mm. it's those kinds of bold goals was the with the real first uh, lesson that companies shared.
1: Jenny, do you have any examples of companies that maybe didn't hit their goals, but the public, it wasn't a public relations disaster for them, you know, that in the sense that people recognized that the goal that they had set themselves was an ambitious one, and maybe they didn't make the total goal, but they were making strides.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's a really great point. So Nestle set a, I think, thirty eight different targets uh, back in two thousand and twelve. Most of them very ambitious. And they hit some of them, but they didn't hit all of them. But what uh, Nestle said is that actually that was okay, because uh, in order to set the targets, they'd had a lot of conversation with their stakeholders about what was important and how far was far enough. Uh, And also then when they set those targets, uh, they actually were able to, continuously have that dialogue around, you know, actually, this one's proving a lot harder than we had expected, and here's why, and then what do you think we can do about it? And so what we heard from them is that actually, you know, r- rather than having that bold goal set them up as a target of criticism, it actually became something where they could kind of collectively problem solve with their stakeholders to figure out how to how to get, get there. Even That's if right. It wasn't so quite I, on schedule.
1: along with, you know, along with an ambitious goal, it sounds like transparency is really important, too because you know you really present it as like you know you're looking to other people to be part of the solution and you want to be the part of the solution but you need maybe that input from others in terms to grow that so you need to understand it better you know whereas if you had a company that set an ambitious goal and then it was like a cover-up a scandal you know how often is the cover-up worse than the deed right (laughs) and i mean we're learning that every day right so (laughs) you know i mean that's probably the case with these companies
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. And so they found it was helpful both internally and externally to uh, to help them make progress.
0: The next suggestion that you have is, is something that we've talked about a lot on this show. And it's it's really interesting, even in the, the social good space and more on the social side versus the environmental side. We see this next one a lot and that it's that CEOs need to lead by example. So can you talk a little bit about what you found out there, Jenny?
2: Yeah so uh, you know again we asked the the, comp- the the leading companies what is the greatest factor that contributes to the success of sustainability programs and by far the number one answer was senior leadership support mm-hmm. um, and it makes all of the difference in the world if you have your CEO standing up there saying we're committing to this bold goal and we're really going to be uh be driving it uh, very uh, very uh, relentlessly um and uh that's the case with uh Unilever and Paul Polman who uh has probably gone the furthest as the CEO uh, who is uh, committed to transforming his organization, he set a very bold goal of doubling the size of the company while having their environmental footprint. And uh, he and his executives are really driving that through every area of the business, not just the um kind of supply chain and cost side but also uh, working with their brand and marketing teams to think about how to reformulate products to have a, a lower impact and so that uh senior leadership support is critical it isn't just the ceo because of course they're one person but they need to get all of their kind of key reports to then Provide that leadership on down through the company, such that the changes can happen. You know where where they'll make the most difference.
1: Mm-hmm. Jenny, uh, you know, as the CEO of this show, I actually insist that <laughs> Megan only drink tap water. So I only drink tap water, and Megan only drinks tap water, and I really make sure of that because one time I saw a bottled water on her desk. out of a podcast, <laughs> and so I just want to let you know that I think this this speaks from example on my end that I'm Thanks, really yeah. showing, you know, that type of leadership. Thank you.
0: That's the impact you can have. That's right. Thank you, Jenny. (laughs) That's very funny. Well, and I I think this leading by example sort of stitches nicely into the next suggestion, which is to highlight the business case. And that's something you mentioned Unilever. That's something that Unilever has done very publicly and they've, they've incorporated across all of their brands, again, more on the social side, but you know, what's the purpose of these brands and they've done some great research internally at Unilever that they've shared publicly about the fact that their purpose-driven brands outperform the rest of their portfolio by a lot. So having that business case is so important. What else can you tell us about the importance of highlighting a business case, um, especially, I think, for employees, Jenny?
2: Yeah, um, there are all kinds of sources of value from sustainability. I think the Unilever growth uh, example is one. Their sustainable living brands are growing twice as fast as Mm -hmm. their uh, as their other brands, and you know that really speaks to those line executives, um, employees. The, the there is a very strong business case around employees as well, because what we're seeing is that more and more employees are uh, being motivated by working for a company that has a purpose beyond just making money uh, and that does act in uh, sustainable and responsible ways. Um, and what we see is that there is a strong correlation between companies with a uh, highly uh, high degree of sustainability and employee engagement. Mm. And we also know there's a strong correlation between employee engagement and employee productivity. And so if your employees are engaged, they, you know, put in the extra time, they go the extra mile, they deliver uh, a lot more. And so there's a a real business case uh, there for companies. Um, There's other considerations as well, and there are operational constraints that companies are facing. I mentioned Olam earlier. They're one of the big, uh, for example, they uh, provide a lot of the world's cocoa um, and actually, cocoa is, you know, increasing in demand. More and more people are eating more and more chocolate. Um, but actually, cocoa is uh, at risk with climate change and uh, environmental destruction. And so in order to secure the long term supply of cocoa, Olam actually has to take Sustainability seriously, and how they work with their farmers, how they've developed uh, climate-friendly cocoa that can be grown, for example, within the rainforest instead of needing to chop it down. Uh, and you know, they're also finding that that has a benefit on the consumer side because there's more and more demand for fair trade and traceable cocoa, and they're able to provide that. So that's another really great business
1: case. One of the things I was curious about while we're talking about business case here, how is is sustainability different from Michael Porter's shared value or is it the same? Is you know, I always kinda of wondered that with sustainability and you know, living here in Boston and, and reading a lot of Michael Porter's works about shared value. Is shared value different from sustainability?
2: Yeah, I think shared value is a description of what the benefits are and how you can think about it. Mm. Sometimes companies are reluctant to act because they worry that it might cost us more money. You know, if somehow we have to start making investments in fancy technology, or somehow we have to add product features that we can't get money back uh, for, that you know we we're just going to be worse off because our competitors who aren't doing that are you know going to ha- have an advantage. And I think what Michael Porter has uh, very successfully demonstrated is that it doesn't have to be a trade-off. Actually, there is value that you can create for the world while you're also creating value for um, for your business.
1: You know, and because so I almost I think- see I almost see shared value sometimes is like when a company realizes that there's a business opportunity in cause. Like for example, like uh, you know, out in Megan's neck of the wood, there's a concrete company out there that uh, you know discovered that they can make a concrete mixer for third world countries that isn't as expensive as it is here in the States, but does a much better job of mixing concrete so that it holds a lot better. And, you know, so they're finally saying like, wow, there's an opportunity in this. There's a way of making money off of something like this. I guess that's how I see shared value a little bit differently from sustainability.
2: Yeah, I think the, um, I don't know if it's different. I think that for me is just, it's, it's kind of saying, listen, this is good for business. Um, and so you don't have to somehow think, you know, you don't have to kind of check your business brain at the door in order to do sustainability. Actually, you can think about it with a lot of the same kind of uh, tools and approaches and motivations that you do, uh, you know, that you've done business with all along. I mean You do have to change a little bit of the mindset because obviously people aren't necessarily used to looking for that kind of win-win they're used to looking at one side of the equation, but potentially not the other. Uh, but I think it—you know—it's it, certainly proving powerful for those companies that are starting to, uh, you know, starting to take that broader look.
1: Mm. No, I agree.
0: I'm, 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 really curious to know. This is such great data, and you've you've pulled out some really interesting nuggets and come up with some great suggestions. What has the response been when you show this data back to CEOs?
2: So, um, I think the first reaction is depression. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh Aww. my God, <laughs> only 2%. This is crazy. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that that's probably particularly the reaction of chief sustainability officers. Yeah. <laughs> the ones who were driving, yeah. driving these. Um, but then actually, you know, I think it's to some degree it's a sigh of relief. Like, yeah, we all knew it was hard and it's mm-hmm. interesting to see some data that, uh, that puts it out there. Uh, and then I do think that people are finding it interesting to look at what some of the practicals solutions are um, mm-hmm. because I think it's you know it is a it's not a new area but it's getting a lot more traction than uh, it has in in uh, in the past and you're finding the leaders are having to kind of find their way and so actually being able to hear what some of the tips and tricks are has actually been quite quite helpful but yeah depression is generally the
0: <laughs> I, I would mm-hmm. think the employee piece would would be really interesting to them too that they are de-prior- deprioritizing sustainability and the reasons why. I mean, because it seems like that's a solvable fix. And it seems like if it's a CEO looking at the data, there are some very tangible things that they can specifically do personally to change the dynamics.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. And then, of course, it comes down to that individual and whether he or she has that kind of belief and, and wants to... Uh, add that on to the big portfolio of things that they have to have to focus on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some of it is um, it's interesting how CEOs come to this. You know, some of them come at it from very much from a, legacy perspective, and I have to leave a legacy for my children that's better than the one that, you know, I seem to be heading to at the moment, and, you know, the the work through my company is a great way to do it. You have other people who come at it more uh, kind of logically and say, I know this is important, I know there are opportunities, and it takes them a bit longer to kind of discover the personal passion and the personal stories that really make it rewarding. Um, the, uh, but finding the connection between those is really important. You can only get so far on logic alone if you, you know, don't then start to see and be kind of touched by the, uh, by the power of, uh, of engaging in sustainability.
0: Mm. Absolutely. Well, Jenny, this has been so fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit more about this report and all of the fantastic actionable suggestions you are, you've come up with. If people want to learn more about the report or about you online, how might they do that?
2: Uh, you can visit uh, one of our uh, websites, www.bain.com sustainability, where you'll find uh, this report as well as more of our sustainability insights. Uh, you can also follow at uh, Bain alerts on Twitter for more news and insights from Bain. Uh, that's another great source.
0: Great. Well, we'll put those in
1: the show notes. Joe, how about you? Where can people find you online? Uh, people can find me on Twitter talking to Bain all the time and talking to Megan at Joe Waters. Uh, you can uh, visit selfishgiving.com. Don't forget to uh, sign up for my newsletter and you can get my five-day mini course on cause marketing. And of course, all those Valentine's Day pins on pinterest megan that i have uh pinterest.com uh front slash joe waters what about you megan where can people find you
0: I'm also on Twitter at Megan Strand and I tweet for the, for I almost said Cause Marketing Forum. Oh, used to be Cause uh, Marketing yeah, Forum. Right. I tweet for Engage For Good at Engage For Good, which is also where you can find show notes, EngageForGood.com, as well as SelfishGiving.com, as Joe just mentioned. And of course, you can find the podcast on iTunes. Please subscribe to the podcast so that you do not miss an episode. We're also on Google Play, so you can find us there. While you're there, leave us a review. We would love to know what you thought about today's episode and what else you'd like to hear about. And on behalf of Jenny and Joe and myself, I'd like to Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Cause Talk Radio, and we'll talk to you next time.